Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shift, a podcast about mobility. I'm Pete Bigelow, your host and reporter at the Automotive News. And I'm Alexa St. John, covering tech and suppliers for Automotive News. Our guest today is Catherine Schifferly, CEO of WorkTruck Solutions, uh, a platform where uh, buyers and sellers of commercial vehicles can come together and find, the, find and sell the specific vehicles they need, which is a, a harder task than you might think. First, Alexa, what's going on in the uh, supplier world? What, uh, what sort of things are you seeing in the supply chain as, uh, as everyone kind of grapples with the ongoing COVID-19 uh, crisis? Well, Pete, we're seeing a lot of the same uh, this week and over the last couple of days. Um, You know, we have seen uh, both automakers and suppliers uh, continue to tap their credit lines, uh, securing cash in order to protect themselves from, you know, virtually what uh, will be an unknown uh, number of weeks ahead uh, in this crisis. Uh, So lots of uncertainties still uh, as we navigate this uh, one thing I think is interesting, though, is um, a source that I spoke with at uh, IBM uh, last week uh, told me about how this crisis, you know, as tragic, as unfortunate, as devastating that it has been, will bring a little bit of opportunity, at least, to suppliers uh, to modernize their supply chains. This will be a big opportunity for artificial intelligence, for automation, uh, for new technologies to be implemented into the supply chain. And the reason for that is, had all of these technologies been put in place already, or at least been put in place more so than they are, um, we would have seen uh, less of a struggle in the early stages of this uh, pandemic, uh, just when it was initially affecting Asia. Um, we would have seen less struggles to, to reroute supply chains or retool elsewhere or uh, redesign the supply chain in a way that, uh, you know, would have kept production going at that time. So um, I think it will be interesting to see um, how suppliers uh, bring on um, AI and uh, more automation to their processes uh, so that they're able to weather, you know, downturns and uh, crises like this in the future. Uh, that's definitely one to keep an eye out on. Again, uh, kind of a, a, a sliver of, of opportunity here amid, um, amid this downturn. Um, obviously, this has disrupted the supply chain on a global scale. You know, it's not just uh, siloed to one area or one market or another. Um, and so I'm really curious uh, to see exactly which suppliers uh, take advantage of the opportunity that this presents. Um, Certainly, uh, you know, should have uh, probably already been in place in some ways, but I, I think this is the motivation that they need um, and kind of the, the eye-opening that they need to see uh, AI really uh, could benefit them in, in times like this. You know, what's interesting is you used the word opportunity a few times. And as I was working on a story for our upcoming Shift magazine on venture capital, uh, that was a word I heard from more than a few investors that that they see a lot of opportunities here as consumer habit shift, as technology advances. That uh, you know this is this being COVID nineteen is stirring things up in you know a negative way in the short term, but uh, you know this can uh, you know be magic in a sense for say self driving delivery vehicles or 
uh, you know, other, other new applications for technology that we haven't yet thought of. In a sense, there's a lot of opportunity here. And that is something uh, to bear in mind as we go forward, seeing which new winners and losers kind of emerge because they, they sprung into action uh, and, and capitalized on the opportunities that are forthcoming. So uh, definitely one thing to watch. Uh, right now, why don't we go to our conversation with Catherine Chifferly, who gave us a good uh, picture of kind of some of the both the short-term trends she's seeing in the commercial vehicle business and some of the, the longer-term opportunities and trends that could emerge from this as, uh, as delivery and, and the economy overall kind of continue to grapple with this. Yes, certainly the, uh, you know, the work truck industry right now is a, a good barometer of where things stand and where they might in the future. Uh, so let's jump into our conversation with Catherine Schifferly. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Pete. Nice to see you today. Likewise. Uh, how are you doing and where are you at this afternoon? So um, uh, we're located in Northern California, and I'm, of course, uh, uh, sequestered in my home, working out of my home. That sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, <laughs> we are doing the same here in Michigan. Um, Tell us about how, you know, how is work truck solutions being impacted by the current uh, health crisis? Well, as you know, Pete, um, dealers right now are, uh, first off, they were, they've been very confused, right? Um, many of the states have come out with different mandates and in different timings, and they've been uh, interpreted a lot of different ways. So um, our dealers who are focused on selling commercial vehicles uh, have struggled just the same as all, you know, the dealers that do just the retail side as well. So um, I think what's most important, though, and what's so unique is that commercial vehicles are really um, all about essential businesses, and and the pace and the, the focus of them is really different. And so um, I think that's probably the, the, the most unique thing about what we've seen. Okay. Um, what what was the climate like prior to COVID nineteen starting? And uh, you know, kind of, I guess, backing up a second, what was the what was the you know set the stage for how was business before this all happened? So it, it's been very interesting to me. So we've been in business for a little over seven years now, and when we started, the goal was to help dealers um, run and and market their commercial inventory, which is very very different than retail. So, so the unique thing about commercial inventory, besides the fact that it's a business-to-business sale, which is unique, um, the vehicles themselves are customized. And so the feeds that are coming in with, uh, through the inventory management systems and the, and the DMSs and stuff like that, they are only the chassis and the unupfitted van side. And so at that point in time, it was very difficult for a dealer to even show their own inventory on their own website as a complete completed vehicle. So they would know it was a, a cab chassis, like a Ford F450, but they couldn't say, did that become a dump truck? Did that become a flatbed? Did that become, you know, any of these uniquely different things? And so that's kind of how we got started was helping um, finalize that information, um, add in details of what that vehicle is, and just help them market it online. 
And over time, of course, we've continued to add what I would call the tech stack part of that, right? That, that where they're really running their business. And so I, I'm telling you that because it's been really challenging for the first six years because a lot of retail dealerships have been hyper-focused on retail, right? I mean, it's this was kind of a also ran, I guess the way I would describe it, partly because it's been so opaque. But what's happened over the last year and a half, and I know you guys have seen this, is that as the margins for retail have continued to reduce um, and th that there's been a higher interest in looking for highly profitable parts of the business and commercial is absolutely a highly profitable um, a par a part of, of being a dealership. And so for me, it, it was very exciting times because we were watching dealers starting to recognize that it was important to invest in having a good commercial department, that there were things that they could do that were unique to the dealership brand and to their market. And uh, so it was really a, an exciting time for us. Catherine, this is Leslie. You were talking about how the, uh, the slim margins that were taking place on the retail side were actually having dealers concentrate a little more on commercial. So now that we are in this COVID-19 crisis, how do you expect the climate to change? Well, let's all agree. It's horribly, I mean, it's just a horrible space right now to be having to work within, right? But it is very unique in that it we are seeing actual growth opportunities on the commercial side. Um, we 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 you know we have over 800 dealerships that are on our platform, and so we can see that in the states where they've been precluded from selling, of course, uh, that's a very sad thing. But in the in the states around them, the the dealerships have actually increased their business because commercial doesn't stop. It isn't something that, that that the buyers go, oh, I think I'll wait a little bit, right? I mean, these are the essential businesses and they need to stay on the road. They need to be expanding if they're a cleaning company right now. They need to be expanding if they're a delivery company right now. If they're, you know, if they're essential services like HVAC and 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 uh, plumbing, they are still they're still being needed. And so the demand is still there. We've we, we've seen fluctuations on a weekly basis in um, in traffic and and leads. But um, the we just did a uh, a survey with dealers, and um, you know, 16% of our dealerships that responded to the survey actually had an increase in their uh, in what they expected to do in March. That is, uh, you don't hear about expansion uh, one way or the other too much these days. So 16% sounds like an awful lot. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned yeah. the delivery aspect of, the, of, you know, of COVID and now so many people are relying on delivery services to kind of get essential goods to home. Is, is that really kind of an essential driver right now? It is one of the big ones. That is correct. Um, I, I think that the areas that we're seeing are are kind of, uh, more depressed are, of course, construction. You know, as you would imagine, that's kind of a lot of constructions on hold right now. But the but the core, what I would call uh, services, you know, are are not uh, things like uh, home the home repairs, uh, plumbing, HVAC, um, uh, electric electrical, uh, and then there's um, a, a variety of other kind of newer services that are kind of um, you know appearing. And uh, 
I, I was talking to a cleaning company the other day and they've been asked to um, put together crews to come out and to actually be able to spray and clean on a regular basis. Some of the cities are asking for, for their uh, vehicles to be cleaned a couple times a day, the buses and stuff like that. So there, there's some interesting new opportunities. Oh, and I should mention another one. Uh, one of the up and coming um, categories of upfitted vehicles, that's the, that's the insider term, an upfit, um, is that, um, and of course this uh, is a big deal in California, but they're called secure transport vehicles. And they're a van that has been upfitted to, be, to have um, humidity control, uh, temperature control, and a lockbox. And it's for delivering cannabis. Very interesting. I would not have thought to uh, to ask about that particular <laughs> the market. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but California, Colorado, even Michigan mm -hmm. has uh, some more relaxed uh, laws and regulations these days. So that's mm -hmm. fascinating. Uh, if we could back up a second, just what do you consider a work truck? Uh, and, you know, how does that kind of, what's the scope of that business for you? So... We're actually uh, very broad in what we consider. We work with all uh, uh, classes. So we divide it up into three main categories. So there's light, light duty, medium duty, and heavy duty. So light duty is class one through three. Medium duty is four through six. And seven and eight, we kind of, sometimes people kind of shift back and forth, but seven and eight, we consider heavy duty. And so we, you know, we had started with franchise dealers primarily, of course. Um, we, we work with all of the brands. Some of them have more products that are commercial than some of the others. But we just maximize for dealers what, based upon their brand, what they can do. Because, you know, uh, vans are up, are, t are like I just said, they have unique upfit opportunities. There's a lot of a lot of new uh, transport going on in that uh, with vans or for urban markets, they're highly um, um, uh, nimble and uh, and there's a lot of kind of interesting shelving and uh, refrigeration and things like that. So there's all the way from taking vans and mo modifying them for unique vocations like catering and and uh, florists, etc., um, locksmiths all the way up to the uh, medium duty trucks where basically they're replacing the entire bed off the back. So if you looked at the vehicle, it would be just the cab with some rails and those are called cab chassis. And they're actually companies that manufacture a dump bed and or a, a landscaper bed or something for construction. There's a broad range of applications because there's a broad range of types of companies. When you talk about the uh, trucks that are being used increasingly for cleaning, which of these categories uh, does that apply to? Are these mostly light duty trucks? I think that um, what what we're seeing is yes, that I would say um, higher percentage are vans, right? Um, and and especially in an urban market, uh, vans are. You know, it was really interesting to watch um, the van market change over the last four years. Uh, when the new style, the, I guess they call it the European style, but the initial transit and the Ram um, Promasters came in. Um, it's been interesting to watch the shift within the essential, um, the essential businesses from a truck 
that is very heavy and has maybe what's called a service body. Those are the bodies that have all the drawers on the back to being able to um, remodify their func their functions a little bit to be able to fit that within a van so that the van, which is lighter weight, so it's a better fuel economy and also more nimble within a, in, in a market area, then I, it's been very interesting to watch that. I think we're now kind of um, at a place where we're not seeing the vans continue to overtake and, and uh, the trucks because trucks are obviously really important if you're carrying really, really heavy gear. One of my favorite trucks is called a mechanics truck and they're typically a, a medium duty size or uh, some of them even a little larger and they have these these boxes on them but then they also have a welder and they also have a crane and they're used a lot for example in um, going out and repairing off-road uh, heavy equipment or going into a agriculture environment and repairing the equipment that is used for harvesting etc. Oh, go ahead, Pete, please. Sorry, Leslie, you go ahead. I was going to say um, our podcast focuses a lot on new mobility. And mm -hmm. I'm just curious about to what extent is electrification or um, smart technologies, advanced driver assistance, how are these technologies being integrated into the work trucks now? That's a really great question. And it, it's, 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 a, it's complex as well, right? Because if you think about um, the different technologies, for example, telematics, right? Telematics has been a very big um, uh, technology for fleets and for even now small businesses. There's even, there's telematics packages that have been in, in, uh, embedded within vehicles and companies that have smaller packages for smaller fleets. And that technology helps the, the business be more efficient and be um, more eco-friendly, et cetera. The, the, um, the autonomous um, uh, technologies, really, I, you know, other than the long haul trucking and possibly some, some delivery, um, repetitive delivery, that's really not going to be affecting the commercial space at the same uh, speed as you might imagine um, adoption might be in, in uh, um, other areas. Because if you think about it, the, the vehicle has a, um, uh, is bringing the service person with them, right? And so I, I, it's just not as relevant because these are vehicles that are, are being manned, I guess, for, for purpose, the, the, the person manning that or, or, or personing it, I guess would be more PC, is, um, is, is the person that's going to be doing the work. It, it's interesting, we just are working with a company right now um, called Crew Vanco. They, they've um, just brought in a kit that allows you to take a van and convert it into a crew a vehicle where there's multiple people sitting, you know, in a couple rows, but then still saving the back to be for, uh, for um, you know, uh, uh, different tools that you need. And I think that, that that's just the, the, the purpose of, the, of, uh, of commercial right now, that there's not gonna be uh, a big adoption of just, you know, sending off a vehicle to do what, right? But electrification is a big one. And, uh, and of course, electrification is all related to the distance and the weight of what you're doing. But obviously, it's a it's going to be a key factor because 
it's all about the ROI, isn't it? Certainly. And um, just sticking with, um, we were talking about electrification. Gasoline prices have been so low lately. I would imagine that that has been quite a boost to these companies that are continuing to operate in this environment. You know, I watched it twice now where the the pressures on uh, alternative fuels actually back in 2000, I think it was 15, um, I helped author the California alternative fuel uh, training manual. And so have looked at all the different types of alternative fuels, including electrification. And, and the challenge is that, you know, it's hard to get people to adopt things without government um, uh, uh, influence without government, um, uh, um, I guess, you know, uh, financial incentives, unless there's a, a an incentive around the savings. So you're right. It's like with the uh, with the gasoline, uh, the fuel rates going down lower than they've been in what, a long, long time, that's probably going to slow down adoption from a purely business uh, ROI perspective, but I'm sure that the government will recognize that and probably instigate some some uh, incentives. I would think. Catherine, uh, what's your background, and why? Did, what kind of forces did you see coalescing to uh, lead you to found the company? I think you said seven years ago. Yes. Yeah, so my background is um, I'm a what's called a serial entrepreneur. Um, it means that. Honestly, I prefer not to work for other people. <laughs> um, that's kind of a joke. Um, it, uh, so my last big uh, company was a software company in the cable television industry. And so I've always been um, highly focused on technology that could be used to solve a business problem. I've always been really hyper-focused on B2B, not on B2C. And so um, I had been working as a consultant uh, for the Small Business Development Center, and I'd been doing some work in uh, technology and publishing. And I was introduced to someone who was just starting an, an association, a national association for people at Ford that, selled, um, that, that sold um, commercial vehicles in the dealership. And that was in 2007. And I uh, joined to help him uh, publish a magazine, which is still published to this day. It's called Ford Pros Magazine, and it's all about commercial and about how to sell it and how to maximize the value when you talk to customers and what's going on in the space. And I'll tell you, Pete and Leslie, it was for me a very uh, interesting moment because I had spent a number of uh, years in the cable television industry and I will say that the culture in that industry um, was not the best. And when I left it, it I, I actually recognized how culture affects people and how it affected me. And so I was being very careful to um, not go back into an environment that I did not want to spend the rest of my my experienced life in. And uh when I met uh, Joe Hughes, who's the president of the National Ford Truck Club, and I got introduced to people in that space, I kind of fell in love with the industry. It was hardworking, salt of the earth, backbone of the United States, people that would talk to you and be straight up front with you. 
and it, I did. I just fell in love with it. And I felt at the time that we could, I could help, um, you know, take, take technology, the internet and, and uh, publishing electronically into a space where it would help people. And then after a few years, I started recognizing the problem that I kind of alluded to in the beginning, which was these vehicles can't, they were, aren't able to be marketed and sold and shown to customers because the, the data doesn't exist. No one collects the information about what they became. And so it was really, in some ways, almost a labor of love to get started. And uh, um, when I heard that people would, a plumber would come to a dealer's lot and not, and the dealer wouldn't have a plumber's truck because they wouldn't know when the next plumber was coming or they, and then they'd have to get on the phone and start calling other dealerships. I knew that I wanted to help in some way. And so that's how Work Truck Solutions got founded. Now, you mentioned that um, work trucks are the backbone um, of the um, of the industry or of the economy. I'm wondering about just how important are these trucks to the U.S. economy? Can that be quantified in some way? Absolutely. If you look at the GDP and you look at all the activities that are going on in the supply chain and actual, so if you combine both the being dependent on work trucks to do your business um, as far as uh, transport goes or just actually using them, it's 80% of the GDP. 80% of GDP, that's incredible. It is. And it's the most hidden part. I mean, it's funny when I talk to people the first time and I explain what work trucks are and work vans and, you know, vehicles like commercial vehicles, they come back to me and say, you know, I never noticed how many there were until you told me that. And now I see them everywhere. And it's like this hidden part. And I'm actually very excited that one of the results of the current crisis is that um, these workers and the this backbone of the U.S. is really being surfaced how important it is. Catherine, are there uh, lessons from the previous recession in 07, 08, 09 that, that can be taken into account now? And, and do you think this sector of the economy um, will respond, rebound faster, slower, or, or too early to say? Oh, no, I think it's very easy to say, Pete, and it's a great question. If uh, we've really gone back and looked at that um, and um, have some statistics that show the difference between commercial rebound versus retail rebound, it's pretty significantly um, faster. And in fact, you know, if you look at the, the different shapes that everybody's talking about, we're definitely not an L, definitely not a swoosh, definitely a V. All right. Um, anything we didn't cover yet that we want to cover? Um, you know, I think that the one thing I would say to dealers is that, um, it's like commercial is a, is a, as a unique business, right? It's, it's a unique opportunity for them that, that they should think through and they should, you know, uh, plan on how they want to use their brand and their specific unique market to grow their revenue and to grow their profit margins. And uh, I will offer to any dealer that is interested in just a, like a market view or a high level 
uh, assessment, I'd be happy to talk with anyone about that because I'm really passionate about how it's it's an op- not just an opportunity for a dealership, but it's really kind of like the the DNA of what a dealership is in a in a community. Great, Catherine, uh, this is fascinating. I feel like I learned so much about a you know, underappreciated niche of the economy that, that I did not know that much about uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, thanks well, so much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate that. And there's one last thing I need to, 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 to communicate, and that is that in uh, towards the end of last year, uh, based upon the platform that we built for all of our dealers and based upon demand from dealers, we launched a marketplace, and that marketplace is called Comvoy, C-O-M-V-O-Y. And this is a marketplace that is targeted to the end buyer, helping them for the first time to easily find the perfect commercial vehicle that a dealer has in stock. And because we do structured data and we're very careful about identifying exactly what the the, the upfits are they can search through um, using a lot of um, a lot of detail to find what they want. Um, in addition, we hyper focus on targeting to these specific unique businesses. When you get a chance, go take a look because it's really fun. You can go and dig into you know a uh, um, uh, an ag applicate uh, ag as a vocation to a uh, um, you know. Um, HVAC, plumber, etc., and each one has their own their own page, their own space, and and how the vehicles are meaningful to them. And this, of course, is how we're helping the dealers really target their investment, these vehicles that they've invested in, to get to exactly the right customer. How has the uh, rollout gone? What is that? About six months now since Convoy launched. A little bit less, and it's been phenomenal. Um, initial reaction to it was um, um, high, uh, better than we had expected as far as traffic and conversions. I think it's uh, it was a timely thing that um, people, you know, if we did a lot of research around what are plumbers seeing, and literally, if you did a search on Google, they saw a blog from 2011 and a and a story from 2007 about what they should be thinking about buying. It was horrible. So we produced over 250 uh, articles, uh, interviews, videos, and infographics. Uh, for the 20, uh, 22 vocations that we currently have available. And um, and in fact, it's been so uh, different and unique that we now have partnerships with Home Advisor and um, Angie's List. And we're working on some others around that to help really connect the dealers directly to these essential business buyers. Wow, that is pretty fascinating. So thank you for sharing that. We're going to check that out um, when we get a chance to. Great. Okay, so um, thank you so much for joining us today, Catherine. We really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate it, and I I like talking about it, as you can tell. (laughs) I get very excited about, about the whole space and the opportunity that everybody has to help each other at this point in time especially. All right. That's great. Thank you so much again, Catherine. Great talking to you. Me too. Thanks, Pete, for that interview. Uh, who do we have coming up next week? Uh, next week, we will be talking to Harry Campbell, uh, who is known as the rideshare guy officially. Uh, he is a 
uh, ride hailing driver who has gone on to start his own blog and podcast that details the ride hailing industry. So much like Catherine provided us a, a COVID perspective on the commercial trucking industry today, we will get uh, you know we'll get a good perspective and snapshot look at how the likes of Uber and Lyft and Uber and Lyft and other ride hailing drivers are are kind of grappling with the dramatic changes in travel habits over the last six weeks or so. So uh, Harry coming up next week. And I think that is probably uh, about it for today. Our thanks as always to Eric Jones, our producer on the other side of the glass. And uh, thank you all for listening. 